Hello and welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. I'm Pastor Mark Gunger and uh, as you can see, I'm on the set of our television program, Love, Marriage and Stinking Thinking. All the cameras were down here on the set when I needed to tape this for the Bible study tonight. Uh, works out great for me. I get to sit down and uh, sit in front of a table. So easier on me. Hallelujah. But anyway, we are at uh, 2 Kings, the fourth chapter. We are looking at the life of uh, the prophet Elisha. Now, he's the one who came right after the uh, prophet Elijah. The two names get very, very close, obviously. Elijah was like the major prophet of the day, did incredible things. Uh, and then Elisha, after Elijah went into heaven, the Spirit of God fell on him, and now he's going around being the major prophet of the day and doing some pretty incredible miracles. And as we're about to read, we've already started reading it from last week, some of the miracles that he does. And there's quite a string of them here as we look through it, one miracle after the other, uh, very impressive miracles, doing the kinds of things, you know, that... Jesus did. Now, Jesus did way more and in greater numbers than anything that these guys did, but this was pretty impressive stuff, pretty heady stuff, as God is using these prophets to do some pretty incredible things. Now, you would think that just based on the miracles, that maybe Elisha would be a more revered prophet than Elijah. They're both revered, by the way, but Elijah was considered, you know, the... the, the the major uh, prophet of the two. And, uh, and then, of course, when John the Baptist came, it was prophesied that he would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah, this great prophet who preceded this one. And uh, you would think even with those miracles, boy, anybody who's coming in the spirit and the power of Elijah would be doing great miracles. Well, again, God looks at things differently than we do. You know, we would have given so much effort to Elisha because of so many miracles uh, but it didn't turn out that way. And then when John the Baptist came in the spirit of Elijah, he didn't do, as far as we know, any miracles. So what was the power in the spirit of Elijah that came on John the Baptist? It had to be talking about his boldness. Elijah was not afraid to confront the king, and he was in people's faces, and he was a very bold prophet who took on all the false prophets of Baal uh, on, the, on Mount Carmel there, that big showdown that they had. And John the Baptist was very confrontational and preached the gospel without fear. It eventually cost him his head. But uh, again, what we would have thought would have been the power of Elijah looked a little bit different than I think anybody would have ever dreamed because we look at things differently. We're pretty impressed by razzle-dazzle, by miracles and that sort of thing. And certainly in Elisha, we see plenty of that. So we're going to pick it up at chapter 4. Um, talking about more miracles that this guy did. So chapter 4, verse 1 in 1 Kings. Now the, the wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Now, basically, the guy's in debt. Uh, a lot of people listening to me can relate to that. Uh, the good news about the kind of debt we have today is we don't have debtors' prisons or a lot of us would be in jail or our kids would have been sold off as slaves by now because we get in way over our heads. That's the way it was back uh, at this time and was for actually a great majority of human history. Uh, the idea of the type of credit that you could have today unsecured and they don't, you know, we can file bankruptcy and 
and get out from underneath it. Uh, we don't have debtors' prisons or those kinds of heavy things, but these guys did. And uh, so it came to, uh, to a very negative situation for this lady when her husband died. The creditor comes now, and he wants to take the two boys as slaves to pay off the debt. Uh, and while we don't have that kind of thing, make no mistake, whenever you get into debt, you become a slave of the creditor. At some point, you are serving the other person. You're serving with interest. You will work harder and longer for something than you ever would have had to if you'd have just been patient, saved up the money, and not gone into debt. Debt can be a very, very uh, disastrous thing. I'm not going to get into all of that uh, here and now. Uh, I would encourage you guys to uh, look at some of the programs that we offer the church about how to handle debt uh, in your life because it will suck the life out of you if you're not careful it will it will destroy you because you become the credit the uh, slave of the one who offers you the 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 free credit seems like a blessing at the time you know but then it turns into a curse you got to be careful be patient learn to say no to credits especially credit cards the bane of the earth the scourge of Western civilization that has caused much slavery, financial slavery in people's lives. Anyway, so Elisha says to the slave, well, how can I help you? Uh, and then he says, well, tell me, what do you have in your house? And as, as I mentioned last week, it's interesting how every time God showed up, <laughs> it seems like to do a miracle, it was always done a little different, always a little twist, a little turn. And we're about to see all these different miracles, how just God would show up in bizarre and strange different ways. Um, and as I argued last week, I'm convinced the reason God does this is to keep from people putting God in a box and expecting God to do the same thing the same time all the time uh, and uh, just being flexible and watching what God does. So he basically said, okay, well, you know, how can I help you out? What do you have in your house? And she says, well, your servant has nothing there at all except a little oil. Bingo. She's got something. She's got something. See, you've got to start with what you have. It's interesting how often uh, in scenarios like this, God would look to people or the prophet would look to them. What have you got? What can you start with? Where are you at? And this is certainly true uh, with this lady and a great analogy for even us. A lot of times we think we don't have much. We can't do much, uh, but we can start with where we're at. Even for people who are in financial debt, this is a great lesson here. Start with what you got. Start working your way out of this mess. But anyway, she just in casual passing says, well, I don't have any. I got a little bit of oil. There's nothing, nothing much there. And as soon as she said that, Elisha goes, aha, the oil. We'll take a little bit of what you've got and trust God to bless what you have so it becomes more than you ever dreamed. Uh, great lessons here. You know, it's the whole thing where Jesus taught us, if you want to be blessed by God, you need to give. Give and it will be given to you. But let's face it, when we get ourselves in a situation where we desperately need a financial miracle, the last thing in the world anybody's thinking about is giving. We think, man, hang on to what you got. If we hang on to it, what you need to do is protect what, what little bit that you have and pray and ask God to give you more. And we think, God, give me more and then I'll give. And God says, no, 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 give what you got. Give from what you, even if it's a little, wherever you're at. Give from where you're at right now and then watch God, what he does in your life. Again, I know a lot of people really, really struggle with this. We think, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll give, you know, as soon as I get 
you know, that $100,000 bonus, or I'll give when I win the lottery, or I'll give when I do this, that, and the other, and, and waiting for God to pull them out. Some of you who struggle the most, I know sitting right there listening to me right now, struggle greatly financially, but at the same time, you don't give much of anything into the kingdom of God. Uh, you're very tight on your finances. You, you, you know, if you're giving adds up for more than $5 for the year, it's like, holy cow. I mean, come on, guys, you got to do better than that. You know, no one's asking you to kill yourself. No one's asking, but you've got to be able to look around and say, what have I got? What can I give God? If I will stretch out and give and see what God, and then see what God will do. That's the way God works. You say, I don't like that. Well, in the natural, none of us like it. <laughs> I would much rather get and then give. Really, I'm a pretty nice guy. Man, God bless me with all kinds of stuff. I'll give that. But no, 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 no. That's easy. The hard thing is to be giving first before you get anything. And as I shared before, stop and think. If you're God and you're going to bless people, who are you going to bless? The people who hang on to the stuff they got right now or the people who are generous with, with what they have right now, even in difficult circumstances? Come on, it's an easy question. You know, if you were God, that's exactly what you would do. You would do if you were God, you would do the very thing you don't want God to do for you, which is expect you to give before you get. But that's what you would do. I'm convinced of it, man. If you're almighty God and you're going to bless somebody, who are you going to be blessing? You're going to be blessing the people who are generous even in their tightest of circumstances and situations. Anyway, so he says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Elisha says, go around. You got a little bit of oil. Go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. What? Yeah, go ask them for empty jars. And, and don't ask just for a few. In other words, get as many as you possibly can. Now, I don't know how many this lady went and got, uh, but he told her to go get some, um, some jars. And then he says, when you get them, then go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons. Why? I don't know why, but just shut the door. It's just going to be you guys. And then I want you to pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, put, put it to one side. So now you've got to wonder, what, what is going through this lady's mind? You know, I've got, a little bit of oil here. That's, is, that's all I've got to live off of. I've got this debt. They're coming to take my sons. I'm in great financial need. You want me to get a bunch of jars and fill them with the oil that I've got? I'm thinking, well, I don't have much oil. How many jars are you going to get? Don't get a few. Did you get 10 jars? Did you get 50? Did you get 100? Did you get 1,000? I mean, I don't know. But he says, go get as many as you can. And it's interesting. So she went and grabbed whatever jars uh, she could. It doesn't say how many she got. Enough to get her out of trouble, but, but check it out. She left him, and afterwards, she shut the door behind her and her sons, and they brought the jars to her, and then she started pouring. And she started pouring oil, and as she kept pouring, it, it, it kept filling up and kept filling up. She said, whoa, 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 and then fell on the top, and there was still some more oil on there. Whoa, okay, set that to the side. Give me another jar. And, and went... And it started filling, and it kept filling up, and it kept filling up, and it kept filling up. I was like, wow, there wasn't that much in there. Holy cow. And get another one, another one. And so they kept going. And it says here, when all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. Are you kidding? They're on a roll. This is fabulous. This is great, man. I, whoops, things are falling apart here. Things are fabulous. Things are great. And, 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 and they're filling up one after another. And you have to understand, she knew what this meant. It meant money. Oil was a valuable commodity in this culture. 
She can take the oil, go sell it, and have cash, and take care of herself, and her son pay off the debts. So she is on a roll, man. And, 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 and all of a sudden she says, you know, bring me another one. But the son replied, well, well, there's not a jar left. And as soon as he said that, the oil stopped flowing. Now you've got to think, what was this lady thinking? Because if I'm her, now obviously she did enough to get herself out of trouble, which we'll see in a second here. But when she's calling for more jars and there were no more, and it stopped, you would think, man, if I were her, I'm thinking, I wish I'd have gotten more jars. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? Man, I wish I'd have gotten more jars. I mean, I, I didn't know it was going to be like this. That's the way we are with God. We limit God. We don't really stretch as much as we think we ought to stretch or go for it like we think we ought to go for it. And we kind of limit our own blessings because of what we're willing to do in stepping out in faith. God, as far as I know, would have kept filling those jars until there was nothing in the house except jars of oil. But as soon as the jars ran out, the miracle stopped. And I can't help but think this lady, first of all, had to be relieved and so thankful for the miracle in the first place. But man, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you be thinking, oh, I wish I'd have gotten more jars. Oh, I wish I'd have gotten more jars. Now, stop and think. I mean, there's a lot of us. We are going to stand before God someday. And when we see what he would have done with our lives, I can't help but believe our number one response is going to be, oh, I wish I'd have had more jars. I wish I'd have done more. I wish I would have taken this more seriously. I wish I would have been more intense about this. I wish I would have been more committed. I wish I would have been more faithful in what God had given to me. Man, if I would have just had more jars. Man, let's live that kind of life. Let's just kind of go all out for Jesus, shall we? So that we don't have regret at the end. So that we, at the end of our lives, when we look at the amount of time, that we gave, the amount of prayer that we gave, the amount of money that we gave, the amount of volunteering or giving our services that we could have given, that we don't end our lives and we look back and go, oh, I wish I had more jars. If I would have just asked for more jars, how much more I could have had, how much more I could have done. Now, life goes by very quickly. Stop and think about it. Stop and think about the last 20 years of your life. Most of you are over 20 years of age. Stop and think, how fast did that 20 years go? And if you're like most people, it went like that. Those of you who are 40 know that the last 40 years of your life went like that. Do you realize most of us will only get three, four, or five of these, and it's over. Let's, let's take life seriously. Let's, let's take our commitment to God seriously. Let's not waste time. Boy, I tell you, I'm, I'm acutely aware of it. I pray, I was just praying this morning, Lord, my time is so limited. Do I think I'm going to die tomorrow? Heaven forbid I hope I'm around till I'm at least in my 90s so I can torment my children. <laughs> but still, even if I live to 100, we're talking 
That's it. What kind of life am I going to live? Am I going to get done and say, oh, man, I wish I wish I'd have gotten more jars and filled them up. Pretty wild, huh? So anyway, she went out and told the man of God, verse 7, and he said, okay, go sell the oil and pay your debts, and you and your son can live on what is left. And that's what she did. Pretty cool, huh? Then we go on, continuing the story of Elisha. We see the next miracle and miracles that he's involved in. This one, uh, one day Elisha went to Shunem, uh, and, uh, where the Shunemites lived, and a well-to-do woman was there. A lady had a lot of jack, dressed very nice. I'm sure had a wealthy husband, well-to-do, life is good. Um, and she urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he would stop there to eat. They basically built a relationship, and this prophet was constantly traveling all over the place. A lot of these prophets were itinerant uh, preachers, basically. They go from one place to another, one place to another, moving around as, a, as the Spirit of God would move them to go around ministering uh, throughout uh, their nation. Remember, they didn't have television sets like this or video systems like this where I could talk to you and be somewhere else at the same time. Thank God for technology, but... They didn't have that, so physically they had to go around. And it basically became part of his uh, plan that when he came through, he would stop and have dinner with these people. Well, one day she says to her husband, you know, I know this is a man, that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put a bed, uh, put in a bed and a table and a chair and, and a lamp and a high-definition television set. That's what I'd want. Uh, and, uh, and then he can come and stay there whenever he comes to see us. So they did it. So they set up this thing. is basically this little private room that Elisha knew that whenever he came, he could stay at the room. It was a place just special for him. So one day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and he laid down there. And he said to his servant Gehazi, Gehazi was always running around doing stuff for Elisha, just like Elisha used to do for Elijah. Sadly, things don't turn out as well for Gehazi as it did for Elisha, which we'll see later on. But he tells his servant, he says, call the Shunammite. So he called her, and he stood before him. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's like, <clears throat> go call the lady. The lady comes up, and then he basically tells his servant to tell her stuff. And it's like, Hello, I'm in the room. I can hear you talk, but I don't know. For some reason, he didn't talk to her directly. He says, Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now, what can be done for you? So it really touched Elisha's heart that this lady had done all this stuff. Ask her, what, what, what can we do for you? Uh, can we speak on, on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? We can, you know, I, I can put in a good word for you guys or something. And she replied, oh, I have a home among my own people. Everything is cool. And, uh, well, what can be done for her? Elisha asked Gehazi. And Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband's a geezer. He's an old guy. And then Elijah said, okay, call her back. So he calls her and she stood in the doorway and Elisha looks at her and said, about this time next year, you will hold a son in your arms. And he prophesies to her that she's going to get pregnant. 
Well, her immediate response is, please, no, my Lord, don't mislead your servant, O man of God. In other words, don't get my hopes up. Um, I'm sure by now she has pretty much written off the idea of getting pregnant, which was a major thing uh, back in the day in this culture. Uh, when a woman wasn't able to have a child, it was emotionally devastating to her. Now, it's still emotionally devastating to a lot of women today, but nothing like back in this culture. This was a major deal. This was their shame, their, their horror, their, their nightmare come true. Worst case scenario, that they would not get pregnant and have children. And uh, so the idea that he would prophesy to her that you're going to have a son, you know, this is a dream. I'm sure she has already laid to rest. You know, her husband's up in Geezerland. You know, she's getting up there in age. She's never had a baby. Chance of having one now is, is zero to zilch. And it says, please don't, don't mess with my emotions. And, uh, but uh, he prophesied this to her. By the way, and let me say this to you, uh, to you younger girls. You've heard me talk about this before. I get the culture today. The culture is wait, 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 wait as long as you possibly can before you get married, which in my opinion is blatant stupidity. It is a horrible formula for disaster. It virtually guarantees that our young boys and girls will fail sexually and fail mor morally and then pick up so much negative baggage that it'll take them years to get out of the piles of crap they're going to get into because they've gotten so caught up in bad behavior um, this is a disaster. Now, I know the church says, well, you know, don't, you know, wait till you're almost 30, but don't have sex. Yeah, yeah, how's that working for us? Bad idea, okay? So better to do this younger and do this earlier and do this right. And most of you know, I'm a big advocate uh, for early marriage. I'm not saying they have to get married. They shouldn't feel pressured to get married uh, right away. But seriously, guys, come on, take life seriously because there's only so many of these that you have. Lots of people are kissing off almost two of those for nothing. What? So you can have more time playing video games? I mean, come on. I know you want to go to college and stuff, but man, for thousands of years, people took life much more seriously and were fathers and, and parents in their early 20s and went on and built huge lives and successful lives and huge fortunes and built nations the idea that you can't do this because you're married is ludicrous and absurd. My opinion, deal with it. But one thing you cannot debate is that your body does not care that you want to wait. Uh, the number of young people that I talk to, young women in their 30s, who are heartbroken and devastated because their prayer to have a baby has not been answered. It's devastating to them. You have to understand, I know, yeah, you wanted to wait. Yeah, you wanted education. Yeah, you wanted to get a big screen TV first. You guys wanted to have fun for a while, la, 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 la. But you have to understand something. Your body doesn't care two wits about your plans, okay? There is a clock ticking in both men and women. The longer you wait, the less your chance of being able to have a family, and it's just a fact. If you want to do this, my encouragement, goodness gracious people, do this in a timely manner. Your pastor speaking into you. It's your life. Do whatever you want, but don't get mad at God. If you turn past 30, 
and you're desperately trying to get pregnant and you can't anymore. Okay, now you can still pray and ask God for a miracle like this lady did. We're all for that. We'll pray for you. Trust God for a miracle. But, you know, better that you don't have to have a miracle than to need a miracle. You know, I love that I've had miracles in my life. But I usually get miracles in my life because I did something wrong <laughs> or something went south. Or, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if everything's good, I don't need a miracle. You know, I like having miracles. I hate having to have miracles. Personally, I'd rather not have to have a miracle. I've, I'm thrilled with the ones I've had, and I would rather not get myself into situations where I need, but I'm sure I'll still get there because God wants me to continue to grow. But trust me, do, do it right. File it away in your little brains. Do what you want with it. <sighs> but remember, I told you so. All right, so the woman became pregnant, verse 17. God answered uh, the word of the prophet. Uh, and about the next year, that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. Praise God. Pretty cool, huh? Well, the child grew, and now tragedy comes. Testing of your faith. And uh, you've heard me talk about this. Uh, I've said over and over again, one of my saddest scenarios are people who never have to trust God for anything until it really matters. And then when the Kaka hits the fan in their life. They fold like a cheap suit. I mean, they can't handle it because they've never had to trust God about anything significant in their life. Listen to me, church. Start trusting God in the smallest things in your life. The smallest thing. Nothing's too stupid. Nothing's too small. Start praying. Watch what God does in your life because it'll start building your faith as you go from one little miracle to the next miracle. And then when you hit the big stuff, now you can say, yes, I can trust God because I've been through this. Anyway, so this child grows. And one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. And all of a sudden he starts crying out in pain and he yells, my head, my head. He falls to the ground. The father told the servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted him up, carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until about noon, and, and then he died. Wow. Devastating. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door and went out. Now, here's the amazing part. She called her husband and said, please, Send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Wow. How do you get here? I'm telling you, this lady has already experienced a significant miracle. She's probably heard of the miracles of Elisha going, the boy's getting quite the reputation. Who knows what other little miracles they might have experienced sitting on the ministry, under the ministry of this incredible man. Okay? And when in a moment of pure despair, and I promise you, if this were to happen to me, I think I would be overwhelmed to the point of such sorrow. I don't know if I could recover. God forbid this happens to anybody. But in a horrible scenario where she should have been filled with grief to the point where she couldn't eat, where she couldn't breathe, where there were no more tears to cry, which would have been the normal response for anybody. She doesn't react that way. Why not? She immediately goes into a mode of action. She immediately kicks into a mode of faith. Come on, pops. Give me the keys to the car. I have got to go. The donkey car. And they, I've got to go, and I've got to go find this prophet. 
Why? Because she knew what it was like to trust God when it seemed like things were impossible. And I'm saying, as you grow from faith to faith to faith, the first big miracle, the one that we read about, is that this woman at this age in her life, and especially with her husband being as old as he was, the chances of her having a baby, zilch, not a zip. And boom, she has this beautiful little boy, and now he dies in her arms. And instead of being overwhelmed to grief that would have destroyed almost anybody, she puts the boy down, closes the door, says to her husband, let's go find us that prophet. Because she's in a state of faith. Man, oh man. See, that's why you want to start experiencing God in the little things, peeps. Because then there's something bigger, and then there's something bigger, and there's something bigger. Don't just trust yourself, not pray. Just trust your job, trust your savings, trust your 401k, trust your health insurance plan. You know, Don, I've never really had to trust God. And then all of a sudden, boom, something happens and you can't handle it. Start trusting God now. Now, next week, we will continue this, okay? And we're going to find out what happens. Well, this woman switches out. She doesn't even go to grief mode. She immediately goes to faith mode. And we'll see what happens. All right? See you guys next week. Now, your campus pastors are going to come up. Here's a great opportunity to get involved in some questions. You can ask any questions you want, but if you could kind of keep it on point... It would be helpful, but bring it on, whatever questions you got. And uh, let's spend the next 15 minutes uh, talking about some of these different things. And we'll see you again, uh, all again next Wednesday. God bless.